The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We have a guest this week, Dr. Tara. She is a new dentist, just graduated, and she works in a private practice in Ohio. She talks all about her best choices in dental school, her tips for networking, how she got her private practice associate position, some kind of things to look out for when you're looking for a job, advice with that, advice about If you're interested in having a social media page as a dental student, like a professional page, those are some of the topics that we discuss in this week's episode. I also wanted to do my typical intro, just letting you know what went on this past week for me in dental school. As some of you probably know, I did start up another semester this week. We started classes on Tuesday, and we started in person on Wednesday. So Tuesday, we just had one class. It was Periotherapy 2, just a virtual but synchronous class. Every week, we have a quiz, and then we have to tune in for an hour Zoom. The quiz is about the content from the week before. And then Wednesday... We had SimLab from 8 to 11, and then two classes, one in person, one just watching it on our own, and then I was able to go home. Thursday, I was assisting at 8 a.m. We had a 10 a.m. class, and then I had a rotation session in the ACE clinic for diagnostic testing. So there was like six stations, I think. One station we were using the phone's translating system that they use in clinics. So you call in to this number and you say what language your patient speaks and then your patient has a phone, you have a phone, and someone on the other line translates for you. They have like, it looked like almost like a hundred languages on there. They had a lot. Some of our classmates, we were fortunate, speak other languages, so they were able to kind of practice it with us. And then we did blood glucose testing, electric pulp testing, endo ice. We did head and neck exams, again, which we've done a ton of times in ACE by now. We also did blood pressure and manual blood pressure. I think that's everything, but it was just like a diagnostic testing lab which is literally the title so it was interesting and it was good to at least get to practice the endo ice and the ept because we've learned about it last semester in our endo lecture and i've seen it in clinic a little bit but it was nice to get to try it ourselves and then i had two online classes that evening and then friday again we had lab 9 to 12 and then an in-person class at one and another online class so by that breakdown you can kind of get the feel that most of our stuff is in person, but not every class. Usually we're in school about eight to three-ish, and then we have one or two classes to watch when we get home or like in the middle of the day. And I didn't mention it because this past week we didn't have classes on Monday, but basically we have Monday, Wednesday, Friday lab classes in the afternoon and then on Tuesdays we're just the one online class that gives us time to do rotations and assisting and then mixed in all the other days you could also have rotations and do your own assisting as well. So it's been pretty good so far. I'm looking forward to seeing how I feel as the weeks go on being in person for if you don't know this like the first time this is my sixth semester of dental school and it's our first time having 
pretty much like a normal dental school schedule. Usually you're in person eight to five. And in my current situation, we're mostly in person, but a couple classes are online, which honestly, I don't mind a few being online or hybrid because they're easier classes. Like it's not something that I would feel like I need to sit in an hour lecture in person for. And then the classes that are a little bit more clinically relevant and maybe more confusing, like our diagnostic sciences, for example, are in person. And I'm really appreciative of that because I feel like I'm going to learn better. And this week is just a lot more of what I just said. Similar schedule, a lot going on for ASDA, a lot of meetings planning for AO, the dental society that I'm in, as well as a meeting for AAWD that I'm the vice president of. We're getting back into Bible studies for Christian Dental Association, so I'm leading one of those this week. And then on Friday, I'm leaving for the District 6 conference for ASDA. So that's the district that Michigan's ASDA chapter is in. And I have a position in my chapter as well as on the district. So I've been helping um, the district trustee with some logistics for the conference. I'm excited to see everything come together. There's about 20 or so or 25 students from Michigan going. And then the other schools in our district are Case Western, Ohio State, Detroit Mercy, and West Virginia, and then us, Michigan. So it'll be cool to finally meet some of those other students. I met some at the national conference that you may have seen and heard me talk about, but it'll be cool to meet larger groups because it's just our district. We can bring more students, and so can all the other schools. So that's really the catch-up for now. Next week's episode is going to be that recap, like I said, of the previous semester, my D2 fall. Then the following week, we have another guest. And then after that, I'm actually going to do an episode all about ASDA. So what I was just talking about this conference, my involvement in it, and why I think it's a really great thing to get involved in as a dental student. So that's what's upcoming the next couple weeks on the podcast. But for now, we're going to get into the episode with Dr. Tara. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. We have another guest here today, and I'm going to let Dr. Tara introduce herself. How's it going, everyone? As she mentioned, I'm Dr. Tara Abumabov, and I attended Tufts Dental. I just graduated uh, this past year, 2021. So I've now been in private practice for just over six months, and it has been fantastic. Uh, quite a different adjustment than dental school, but I'm, I'm certainly in love with what I'm doing every day. 
Yeah. And I love following your page. It seems like the practice you work at is very like hip and a fun place to be. And I feel like that seems to suit your personality very well. Thank you. Yes, we do love to have a good time. So one of the first things I thought we could talk about is just kind of your dental school experience and your pathway to getting into this associate position. So when did you know that you wanted to be a general dentist and not pursue a specialty? Sure. Yeah. So I remember, I believe it was around probably second year. I mean, I think first year you go in and you think, okay, well, let me mostly just survive where I'm at and get through first year. Um, And at the time I was considering maybe doing ortho. Um, I actually really loved oral surgery, but I didn't think I could commit to uh, the track of being an oral surgeon. And so um, you know, long-term and through residency and all of that. And so like, oh, you know, maybe ortho, uh, dabbled in a little bit of the other specialties as well. Um, but by second year, you know, we start, and I don't know how it is at, at Michigan, but I assume it's similar is that you start to kind of, spe- you know, narrow into doing actual dentistry and you get in preclin and the simulation clinic and, I just really enjoyed the hands-on day-to-day things that we did in clinic or in, in the preclinical courses. And so at that point I was like, you know what, I might actually really just want to be a general dentist. And then you kind of move on to third year. And at that point I'd solidified, okay, I just love a little bit of everything. And that was kind of what got me on course to think, okay, I'm, I think I'm just going to stick to general. And now that you are working as a general dentist, what are some of the procedures that you're doing the most right now at this office? And is there anything Mm -hmm. that you would rather be doing or hope to do more of as you pursue your career further? Sure. So I'm doing some of the, a lot of the bread and butter dentistry. So fillings, uh, crowns, um, uh, I do do extractions. Uh, I'm getting back, getting myself back warmed up into endo. Um, I just started my first uh, veneer case, actually. So I, I, I'm my main focus will probably go towards more cosmetic based dentistry. It's a lot more than I thought it was. Um, I think a lot of us spend, you know, people who want to go the general dentistry track. A lot of us want to go into cosmetic dentistry. I remember in dental school, a lot of us talking about that. And it always sounds, you know, easier when you say, it, and then you get into it and you learn, wow, you got to understand a lot about occlusion and essentially how the mouth functions before you can upgrade somebody's smile. Um, and so I'm hoping to dabble more into that. So I've, I've started kind of the easier cases, uh, in my book, um, but I would say most of my days, I do a lot of onlays, a lot of crowns, uh, some cosmetic work, but that's kind of the gist of what I'm doing just to, you know, you want to walk before you run. And do you have like mentorship for these cosmetic cases or are you just doing things that you feel comfortable taking on? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I, w- I don't think I could ever, I got really lucky. My current associateship, um, situation. I, I, like I said, I work in a private practice and there's five uh, general dentists all together. We all work together and it's, it's a huge practice. We're about 17 operatories and um, our head dentist is 
one of the most amazing mentors I've, you know, had so far in my, in my career, um, along with a few other um, mentors I've had. Um, but he is so hands-on. He's so talented in everything that he does. And all the people that have worked with him and worked under him are, you know, they illuminate the same energy and the same passion for what they do. And so, you know, I'll be working today. I was working on an endo case and I got kind of stuck. And so I reached out to one of them and they kind of just mentored me through it and finished it up and it was no problem. And so my, my current, um, mentors, I should say, are just my colleagues, the people I work with. And, um, you know, when I first got my veneer case, it, you know, we sat down, I had 3d models printed. We went through everything. He even had me prep the case, uh, with the 3d model to show him kind of what my idea was. We did like little sketches on the side. So I have to say, if there's one thing I'm super, super grateful for, it's the associateship that I got into because the mentorship has changed I think the trajectory of my career it's kind of helped me move forward a lot faster than I thought it would that is so awesome I think that's everyone's goal right exactly so I'd love to talk a little bit more about your associate experience um I guess I'm just wondering like how does you come in as a new associate, this office with four other doctors, how do they mm-hmm. go about giving you patients, deciding which cases you get? Do you get any cases or is it just your patient pool and then whatever they need? Sure. Yeah. And I will say this is probably different for every office. So when I interviewed, I, I got, that was one of my questions uh, as somebody who's interviewing. And I really encourage you as a listener, if you're on track to do that, you certainly should ask all of those questions because it does matter and it will change the way your day-to-day schedule looks like. So um, <clears throat> most of my days um, when I first started were almost acclimating me to the office. So I would do a lot of new patient exams. Um, you know, I mostly wasn't doing, I was doing some of the hygiene, but mostly allowing the hygienist to handle that and me just getting to know patients, seeing cases. And if I felt like it was beyond the scope of what I knew I was comfortable with, uh, I knew that I could refer them to the other general dentists in the office. And so, you know, I was comfortable. I knew I could do crowns. You know, I knew I could do fillings. I might be slow, but I could do all of those things. And so that's kind of how I started. And inch by inch, I gained the confidence. And let me tell you, in six months, it's crazy. It's kind of like dental school. You think that you haven't learned anything from the first day to six months later, but when you reflect back and you think about how much you've grown, six months is a long time to be working every single day. And you go from seeing, you know, maybe two to three, how many, how many patients do you guys see normally in clinic when you are at clinic? I'm still a D2, so I don't have patients until May actually, but I think most people's patient families are like 30 ish people. And then they see like five a week usually. Okay. Five. Yeah. So it pretty relatively similar to, to what it was at Tufts. We saw at maximum three total patients a day because we had three sessions throughout the day. And so based on kind of your own schedule, so you go from seeing, you know, five or, you know, three patients a day, five patients a week to all of a sudden anywhere from 15 to 30 patients a day. And so 
you know, you learn to time management a lot better. And so kind of to go back to what you, you were asking, you know, what was, what was I seeing? It was okay. If, if there was something I thought I could do and I saw my new patient um, and I wanted to do it, then I would go for it under knowing that, you know, I'm working to get my speed a little bit better and my technique better. And then I, it's crazy. You can build a patient base pretty fast when you're seeing, you know, five new patients a day or, you know, some, I, I think I was seeing close to like 10 new patients and I'm, that my number might be slightly off, but um, 10 new patients a week. And so by month two, my schedule is pretty filled up. And then my mentors would, you know, if they thought that it was a case that I could handle, they would pass it on to me just so I could get my feet wet. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And this is down the road, but do you have goals to be an owner one day, or do you think that the associate pathway is what you're going to stick with? I certainly want to be an owner. I I think that it's a, a really big piece of why a lot of us become dentists. You have the opportunity to be a business owner and and for once be the boss of, you know, your own career. Um, I will say though, uh, now that I am in associateship, it's a lot of hard work to be an owner. I mean, I'm, I'm watching, um, the owner of our practice and it, I mean, he works hard and he is so dedicated to what he does and you can tell he loves what he does. Otherwise, I don't think that you would want to open up a practice of your own. It's just, it's a lot of work. So, I'm loving learning from him. I'm learning that it's, it's, you know, a tough path, but certainly worthwhile. So somewhere down the road, yes, I would love to own my own practice. And still thinking on associateships. So you said you've Mm -hmm. only been working for about six months. When did you start looking for jobs? I probably started maybe a little bit later than some of my other classmates because I was unsure of where I was going to be. Um, so yeah, so I, we kind of got placed here, um, because my boyfriend's doing a residency program at UC for oral surgery. And so we're, I'm, I'm in Cincinnati right now. And so, um, that was kind of a, you know, it, it, it was definitely one of our top, top options. And so, uh, I don't know a soul from in Cincinnati. I'm originally from Florida, studied and, you know, trained in Boston. And then all of a sudden was, you know, going to the Midwest, which I love, by the way, the Midwestern people are so nice, so kind. And so um, I was a little bit slower on, on pulling the trigger of uh, reaching out to people, but um, by, I would say maybe the end of January, February, before I graduated, I was kind of on the job hunt. It was kind of stressful because again, I I had networked with a ton of people from Florida, a ton of people from Boston and the general East coast, New York, New Jersey. Um, But I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be in the Midwest. So, um, so yeah, so that's um, when I started and, and so far so good. What were some of the ways you went about making connections to find jobs to apply to? Sure. So there's a ton of resources out. So um, I'm involved with, for example, a company called Ignite DDS, and um, they work with Dental Post. And, you know, I was logging on there and trying to find jobs and seeing kind of who's the local 
people in that area who might be hiring. I, you know, I even went on like indeed.com, did all of that. But the funny thing is I actually ended up meeting um, and finding this associateship through social media. So um, Dr. Pierce, my, my mentor reached out to me through uh, my Instagram and, and said, Hey, like, I love what you're doing. Um, I, you know, I see that you're graduating soon. What are your plans for after graduation? And, um, and so that's kind of how the ball got rolling to work for him. Okay. That's so cool. That actually is something I was going to ask you about later, how the Instagram page and everything has influenced your career. But before we get into that, just sticking to the topic of finding your job, do you have any advice for us dental students when it comes to interviewing for associateships and finding the right fit? Sure. So I would say um, if you can, I know it's hard when you're already in dental school, go and definitely visit these practices that you're um, applying to if you can, because as great as a phone interview is, as great as Zoom is, you won't really understand the culture of the practice until you're there. And I think when you're there, you get a better feel for, okay, well, I know that they said, you know, that the practice looks like this and everyone loves each other and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes it's not like that and that's okay, but it's better for you to find out. And the biggest tip I have for anyone looking for an associate position is understand the culture of that practice as deeply as you can before you get there. And then know that your first job doesn't have to be your forever job. So yes, we all want that perfect job, but if it's not that, it's totally okay. And um, beyond that, I, you know, the questions I would ask during those interviews, if somebody tells you that they're going to mentor you, ask them instead of asking, oh, you know, are you willing to mentor? Say, what does mentorship look like to you? So then they can describe to you, oh, well, you know, for example, my mentor said, well, I'd like to sit down and, you know, uh, anytime you have bigger cases, just like he did with my veneer case, I'd like to sit down with you and, you know, we'll kind of have a discussion. And then at some point we'll start, I'll start, instead of being a discussion, I'll start kind of quizzing you and we'll move forward from there. And for me to have that one-on-one experience was huge. And that's what, you know, you, you should strive for, look for somebody who wants to teach you, who enjoys teaching. And I also would say that um, when you're interviewing, get a feel for kind of the office manager, maybe the assistants, um, you know, if there's no office manager, because they kind of will give subtle hints about what's going on in the practice. And then lastly, check out the patient base. You know, you may want to be more of a community dentist. Maybe you prefer more private practice. And so you're not going to know till you see it and you get a feel for it. So I think it's all about the vibes. So it's, that's what it comes down to. So, you know, interviews are great. They're really can be sometimes formal, but if you can get in there and ask the right questions, that's the best way to get the, a better feel for what you need. And it's totally okay if you're not comfortable talking about this, but is there like a daily minimum range that you were seeing as a new grad? Cause I think some people were nervous with COVID, like harder to find a job or kind of like devaluing our skills. So I too was very concerned. And let me tell you, I got a lot of pressure from 
not directly, very indirectly from, you know, my friends were applying to residencies. I was worried. I'm like, oh, should I be applying? I was never planning on it. Um, you know, and so I definitely, I cannot tell you how much I relate to that because my fear of not getting a job and getting that or getting a job and being devalued was really big for me. Um, and so I didn't personally, I did not have any issues with that. I actually don't even know any classmates who had any issues with that. I think that if you feel confident to begin your career, I mean, if, if you're not and you, or you do feel confident, but you prefer to do a residency, that's totally, totally fine. It's a personal thing. And in reality, one year of your life won't change, you know, everything moving forward, uh, in a negative way. So, um, I would say that it did not change it. Long story short. And I would say that when you go to these jobs, you can even ask them for, it's called a per diem. So essentially you get a minimum amount per day because you're really not going to be seeing that many patients when you first start, unless you're maybe some of like the, the DSOs will kind of set you up for that. But in private practice, at least it's really, really slow till you get your own patient base. So I had a, I believe it was a 90 day um, per diem. And so what that means is every single day, no matter how many patients I saw, I would get, or, or how little patients I saw, I would get a minimum. And then if I, you know, went over, then, you know, I would, I would get paid that. But, um, you know, and I would say the normal range for per diem for somebody straight out of school is somewhere between 500 and 700. I've heard 800 in some like rural areas. Um, but usually if you're just starting out 500 to 700 is really, really normal. Okay. That's what I was hearing too, but I was just curious what your experience was since you Mm -hmm. pretty much just went through the process not too long ago. And don't feel like you have to settle because you're just a new grad. Um, it's intimidating because you're, you know, small fish, big pond, but, you know, you trained, you worked your butt off, you did, you know, as long as you maximize, maximize your time in dental school, there's no reason why you can't pick up the newer skills, get faster and better and, you know, just believe in yourself and, and the rest will come. I totally, totally agree. And I've even heard people on this podcast tell me that their mentors might be several years out of school and they look to them as new dentists for guidance as well, because we just had such recent education and might have exposure to things that they haven't necessarily thought about or techniques that they haven't done. So people need to recognize their value for sure. Yeah, definitely. So there's a few more topics I wanted to cover in this episode. Um, Let's do it. Like I talked about your dental Instagram and you mentioned how that actually brought you your job opportunity Um, Is there any other ways that you feel like that page has impacted your professional career? Absolutely. I, let me tell you, when I first started my dental page, I was so worried about what everybody else thought of me. I went, you know, my school was, we were a class of like 200 plus there's maybe 206 of us or something like that. And I was constantly fearful of, you know, just like you do in any social setting, I, you know, what are people going to think of me? Oh, I'm just another girl and doing this thing. And I'm so glad that I kept, you know, my blinds on and I just was looking forward and went ahead and started this page since then. I mean, I, I literally found my job through social media, my, at the start of my career, and I could not have been, be in a more 
similar culturally driven place because of it. Um, so starting with just the career part, they found me because they had similar values. They like using social media in general to reach out to their patients, to show their cases, to get the community involved. And they're more advanced in kind of like the technology and the basis they use in their practice. And then beyond that, um, I ended up getting a, a sponsorship or ambassador rather position with Wear Figs, which has been so much fun. I've met, oh my gosh, so many people across the country. And I've even, you know, visited a couple of states and, you know, we don't know each other, but we know each other through this one amazing company and brand that we are, kind of can relate to. And so I've reached out to them and I've met up with them in different states. Um, few people who are actually one person locally in Cincinnati who I've been meeting to meet up with. Um, so it's really changed my network. And I mean, in reality, we all communicate a lot on social media. So it's given me that, that openness. And um, even some of my patients, I've already like met a ton of my patients who came to see me because they found me on Instagram. So in all of these aspects, I would say the greatest gift I've gotten is getting to meet more people who are both like-minded and um, see a greater picture in social media. So if there's anyone out there who's doubting themselves in, in getting a social media, cause you're worried about what other people are going to say, or, you know, you might post something and they think, Oh, well, you know, ew, that prep looks awful or whatever it is, you know, this is about you and your journey. And it's the best lesson I've learned about social media. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with what you're saying. And I hope similar things for myself one day that um, oh continuing gosh, to yes. be active online and building that community. It's it's so nice to have people that are going through the same things and rooting for you and in your corner. So I totally agree that there's such a great opportunity out there through Instagram. Haley, you're something else. You got the podcast, <laughs> girl. You're, you're on it. You're so... Um active and are, I mean, I could have never done a podcast my second year of dental school. So you go keep doing what you're doing. It's really, really amazing. Well, thank you. Um, I was also curious, you mentioned like some people might be scared to actually show their cases and their work out of fear of being critiqued online. When you were in dental school, were you sharing some of your cases or was your employer just attracted to your energy and that kind of content you were putting out? So I, um, I had not posted anything. Our school is pretty strict on, um, not only HIPAA, but just even if the patient had gave you permission, they, they didn't allow for it. So it wasn't really an option for me. I did take pictures of some of my better work and I kept it in case, you know, they thought that, you know, I thought maybe my employers would ask for it, um, or potential employers. Um, and I actually think that the greatest weapon you have in your toolbox as a dental student uh, and future dentist is just you. Um, you know, and, and I think now reflecting on some of the patients that I see day to day, they care more about how I make them feel than, you know, whether the margins are perfect because Yes, that's important in your hand skills. You, you, you know, you make it to fourth year because you've, you know, gotten to that stage in, in your hand skills. But the reality is, is that 
it goes more, it says more about who you are when you can interview and hold a good conversation and make people feel good than say, you know, like I said, that perfect prep. It just doesn't, it doesn't resonate with people and it won't resonate with patients because that's not what they do every day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm same thing. I think we're allowed to post like cases if we have consent, but even there, I think it's a little blurry. So I'm sure I'll keep things like you said, like in a Google drive or something Mm -hmm. more private, but I don't know if I'll actually end up sharing cases, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have a portfolio. You never know. And Mm -hmm. I mean, if they ask you, at least you have it. And if they don't, then it'll be really cool one day to, you know, look back at that and see what you're doing and like, oh, wow, I've come so far. So it's all, it's all good stuff if you could do it. Mm -hmm. So I also was curious if you have any kind of reflections about dental school, if you could list off a few of like the most valuable things you did. This might be a little different than probably what most people will say, but I was pretty involved in dental school, um, probably a little bit less actually than I was in college and high school. But the one thing that um, I think that it was a value as fantastically, it's not even a word, I don't think, but as fantastic as doing, you know, the preclinical work, the, the didactic work and, you know, putting your time in and your efforts in and being involved in things like ASDA and, you know, the bigger clubs at your school and things that will develop you as a student. I think the most valuable thing I did while I was in dental school was not limit my mind to only my actual dental school. Um, You know, I, I spent a lot of time networking outside of dental school. Um, I, you know, if I could, I would travel and go. I, you know, I had a mentor in Florida who was gracious enough to invite me every time he had a CE course for his, um, his colleagues and, and his assistants. So I would fly down. I would, you know, learn about what's happening in the real world outside of that. And I was trying to learn about, you know, general practice management, but more just to get my feet wet and understand who's out there and what's going on. So I'm not sure that I could say that I, I was never the president of any, you know, of ASDA or anything like that. But I think the most valuable thing I did was not limit my mind to just dental school. And and it kind of took the stress of dental school away a little bit because you kind of see your future. You see, oh, this is what it'll look like. You know, I won't be doing class twos and having to get it checked every three seconds forever. You know, this is just so I can learn and just so I can grow. I guess following up with that about how you kind of put yourself out there and you were trying to network and make connections with local dentists and everything. Do you have advice for students that just simply don't even know where to start if they are at, let's say like a local dental society meeting? How did you go about like introducing yourself to people? I definitely can see why it's so (laughs) intimidating too. It it can be awkward as well. Um, But I think having an idea of who will be, let's say at a local dental, you know, society, or sometimes if you just watch a lecture and you just really love what you saw, whether it's a webinar or in person, um, maybe just get a general idea of who that person is. And if there's something you really like about them, you can, you know, introduce yourself and say, Hey, I, you know, I recognize you because I really liked X, Y, Z. And, you know, I'm a dental student, my fourth year and or third year, first year, second year, whatever. And, you know, I was wondering if I could ask you more about 
blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, kind of if you, if you think of yourself, like, for example, Haley, you're in your second year. If a, if a pre-demo student reach out to you, it's kind of almost a compliment. You know, somebody's, it feels good to know that somebody is reaching out to you because they trust what your judgment is and they want to know, if, you know, you can give them some advice. And so I think that's the best way is just put yourself out there, approach, and the people who are willing to help are going to go above and beyond because they were once in your position. They know how you feel and it feels good for, you know, me mutually to, you know, someone reach out to me. Oh yeah, of course, let me tell you more. And so, you know, it, it goes without saying that there are probably more people out there to help that want to help. You just have to put yourself out there. But, you know, do a little mm-hmm. research, see, see what they're doing, see what they're up to. And, and you can start there just to give yourself a little platform to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that every dentist I've interacted with has been so, so nice. And it's I think it's a really unique profession in that way. There's such mm-hmm. a value of mentorship and like paying it forward to the next generation because you were helped and now you want to help others. So I feel like that's one of the best things about dentistry that I've noticed. For sure. And another thing I did too, was I would log those people that I would meet. So like you said, like I, I, I think I made like an Excel sheet somewhere. It's somewhere in my computer. I didn't log back on to check in a while or it was a Google drive. That's what it was. And um, so much, like you said, I would meet all these fantastic, wonderful people in this profession. And so I would, you know, I would kind of like write their name if I had their email. And then I would write a note, like met them here. We talked about blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, if I needed to refer back, you can do that too. And there's just a few more things I thought we could talk about that might be interesting to dental students that are approaching graduation as well. So Mm -hmm. is there anything that sticks out as like the biggest challenge since you've started working at this practice? I would say probably gaining the the confidence in myself. You know, uh, it's hard when you transition from dental school because you're used to somebody over your shoulder telling you good job or I would do it a little bit different and then once you graduate you know the license is in your name people in the community are trusting you to do good honest work on them and so the pressure is on um and really it's it's just having the confidence in yourself and it's important to portray that confidence I I know one of my good mentors, Dr. Rice will probably kill me for saying this, but um, it's almost like a a fake it till you make it scenario where you want to portray yourself to be confident and push yourself to where you think you should be, but never too far beyond that. And so I would say the hardest thing I've experienced is being confident both with my patients, as well as the people I work with day to day. You know, I want my assistants to feel like I'm competent too, you know, I, I don't want to feel like I'm not ready. And so I do my best to be prepared every day. I check my patients beforehand and, you know, watch any, you know, study up the night before. Um, but really just believing in myself has been a very, very, you know, proved itself to be a difficult challenge because it's always easy to say, yeah, I'm, I totally got this. And then you sit there, the drills in your hand and you're alone your assistant and you're like, okay, well, it's, it's game on. I I just got to perform right now. That makes sense. And I'm sure, like you said, the past six months, you've noticed so many 
improvements in yourself and your confidence. So I'm sure that it does get easier for people that are worried. Yes, it definitely does. And it feels good when it does. Mm -hmm. So one last thing, I was wondering how your transition has been moving to a new place. You said Cincinnati, you're from Florida, lived in Boston. How has that been? And how are you kind of settling in and everything? Amazing. Uh, Shout out to everyone who lives in the Midwest. You guys are a different breed of human. (laughs) It's, it's been the, the biggest surprise thus far, I think in, um, kind of my overall life. I never, like I said before, I never thought I'd be in the Midwest. And I think adjusting part of it is you have to be open, you know, and be positive and be willing to accept, um, and, and, you know, except with open arms about a transition and, and when it's a big move and you don't really know anyone, the best thing you can do is just, you know, be open to it. And so I think that that's probably been a good factor in, in me moving, me moving here. And, um, and it really helps that the Midwestern people are so kind and giving. And I mean, they open every door for you. They, you know, doesn't matter guy, girl, um, I, I don't know. It's just so different here. And maybe because I'm sure, did you grow up in Michigan, Haley? Yeah. I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> okay. So it makes sense. You just even talking to, you, you can tell you're just a nice person. And so I don't, oh, I don't know you. what it is in the water here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You guys are awesome. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing transition. And like I said, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I've, I've, gotten some really incredible opportunities and um I'm really loving what I do here that's so great to hear and just wrapping everything up I really do appreciate everything you shared today I feel like I gained kind of a sense of peace just seeing that you're doing so well (laughs) just six months into working but is there any like last words or final advice you want to leave the people listening with sure yeah so I would say if you are in dental school right now, and and I've said this many times before, if you're sitting in, in school right now and you're dreading getting through that next exam or, you know, that difficult patient. And, you know, I even had moments where I was questioning whether dental school had been the right choice for me. I want you to know that once you leave dental school, it's, you get to be whoever you've always wanted to be. And you have the opportunity to create the type of dentist you want to be, the type of person you want to be, and the type of ethic, work ethic and life ethic that you want to have. And so, and don't limit that till when you leave dental school, you can, you can start now, you can start looking and reaching out to people and things and opportunities to get you to where you want to be. And, you know, life is great when you want it to be great. So take that time in dental school to find the mentors that you possibly want in the future to find the right, you know, community you want to be involved in and, and go for it. Don't let people make you feel, you know, that you're rushing things or not rushing things. You do things on your pace, your time, because when you graduate, that's all you have. It's you. That was very inspirational. Thank you. (laughs) 
Yeah. Just thank you for everything today. I really appreciate your time. Do you want to give yourself a little shout out if people aren't already following you? Sure. Yeah. I love that. And thank you, Haley. Truly. It's I'm honored that you asked me to be on this podcast. It really meant a lot to me. So thank you for being so kind and poor Haley doesn't mention this in her podcast, <laughs> but I was, I was rescheduling and scheduling and rescheduling with her because I, I had a bunch of stuff going on. So I really appreciate you and what you're doing is absolutely incredible. And you should be so proud of yourself. Thank you so um, much. But of course uh, you earned it. And uh, <laughs> if you want to follow me, I would love for anyone and please anyone listening, feel free to use me as a, as a, um, you know, maybe, maybe not a mentor, but a, 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 a point of reference. Um, you can reach me on my Instagram page, uh, dentara underscore underscore, and that's D E N T A R A underscore underscore. And I'd be happy to chat with you. I'd ha- be happy to kind of go over anything that you, you know, any questions you have, if I can. And if I, if I don't know, I have an awesome group of friends and mentors and people that I'd be happy to connect you with. So certainly reach out and Haley, I mean, keep being a rock star. You are already (laughs) way ahead of your time. Well, thank you so much. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.